Welcome to Tech Chairs, a new podcast all about sport and technology. Because technology is the single biggest force shaping modern sport. But how did we get to this point? So in this first series, we'll try to answer that with the help of innovators and experts from all over the sports that we love so much. So whether you're a fan, work in the industry or are simply tech curious, this is the series for you. Hello from me, Rebecca Hopkins. And me, John Inverdale. And this is the second instalment of Tech Chairs. Currently, we're heading towards this year's Sports Technology Awards in New York on May the 18th. And heading to the second part of our chat with four experts on tech-led innovation over the years. In our last discussion, we ended up in the year 2000, but a lot has happened since. And so to take us up to the present day, we are delighted to welcome back Andy Harland, Professor of Sports Technology at Loughborough University, Andy Meir, Chair of Science Communication and Future Media at Salford University, Dr. Ben Langdan, Senior Lecturer in Sports Coaching at the Open University, and Naomi Stenhouse, Head of Performance Innovation at the English Institute of Sport. Now, there's a great phrase that we live our lives going forwards, but we only really understand them going backwards. And that's why we thought it was important to put the extraordinary world of sporting technology into its historical time frame. And in some respects, we've come as far in the past 20 years as we did in the previous 100. So to all of you, what have been the biggest changes that you've each witnessed and you've really found the most perhaps profound or surprising over the last couple of decades? I think one of the things, I was looking back to some work I, I wrote about 20 years ago, which was about the use of virtual reality in sports, so which seems mind-blowing to think all the way back then we were starting to talk about these things. But I think one of the major trajectories to affect modern elite sports over the last 20 years has been the growing digitalization of sports, both from a performance perspective, but also from an audience perspective. And it's that convergence that I think is giving rise to the explosion of esports in the world today. This year, we have the first Olympic esports taking place in Singapore. And I think that configuration and reorientation of people around digital experience has been such a central part of sports economy that it's become a key part of the future of sports. So we see increasing integrations of digital experiences within sport through what we call active esports, where you're performing physically, but also within a virtual reality space. And I think the future of that is just mind-blowing in terms of reimagining the theatre. It's probably as big a deal as the creation of the amphitheatre in the first place. Sorry, so what was the catalyst for that? I think the catalyst over the last 20 years has been growing. I mean, actually from the origins of sport, what's always fascinated us, I think, has been trying to understand the experience of the elite athlete. And the history of sports media, I think, is always a kind of process towards that. The interviewer always asks the athlete after the performance, what did it feel like? So as we've developed new technologies, it brings the spectator closer to the athlete's experience to try to have that vicarious enjoyment of what they're going through. And we've seen also great examples of things like biometric visualization, so we're not just seeing the performance visually or hearing it in front of us. We're also being able to see what's happening inside the athlete's body as they're performing. So it's that desire to get closer to this excellence that I think fuels the technological relationship. I mean, that's a really interesting point that you raise. And I think generally what is fascinating to us is who influences who? Is it the elite athlete influencing the mass market or to what is extent is it the other way round? I think it, it mirrors um, society generally and, and perhaps you can draw parallels with the way the news works and the way that social media has influenced what it is that people access and, and, and digest. You know, if I go back 20 years to when I started my career, 
you know, there was a there, there was a, a very clear distinction of what a sport was and what a sport wasn't, and that was largely dictated to by those uh, authorities that controlled the funding. Perhaps they controlled the media, and you know, the conversation of what what you know should this be permitted to be a sport or not was a very real one. I think certainly in my world, I hear that much less now. The idea that that, that young people just want to do something keep themselves active, compete in some way, sometimes perhaps not even compete. They just want to be part of something. And I think that the, the society as well as, as our industry has moved on in a hugely positive way to be much more embracing and inclusive of, if, if you want to call it a sport, it's a sport. If you want to compete at an elite level, that's fine too. But if you want to compete at a recreational level, then then more power to you. And, you know, we talk about athletes being, you know, elderly patients who've never done any sort of sporting activity at all and if if we can use a technology that gets them off their couch and goes for a walk for the first time then that's as much a triumph to us as somebody you know taking a hundredth of a second off a world record so I think there's that that kind of inclusive reach of sport if you like has been quite powerful and Naomi from your perspective working with elite performers you know if you were an, an elite performer in 2000 and you are an elite performer in 2023, what have you got now at your disposal to make you perform to the best of your ability that you didn't have 23 years ago? Oh, uh, lots. And equally, some things are very much the same. So I think still the biggest impact and intervention that we can have with athletes is the coach and that human connection between people. However, I think what we have seen is a massive acceleration in the tools that those people have available to them to understand what training is actually being done and being completed and what effect that's having. And so I think our ability to test and monitor and track through wearables and through other off-body technology as well has really moved on in the last 20 years. And alongside that, then obviously there's been the continued evolution of the sporting world in general, whether that is the, the arenas and the surfaces that they're competing on or whether that's the clothing they're wearing or the equipment they're using. But for me, I think the biggest shift, certainly in the Olympic and Paralympic world, has been the approach that we've been able to take to training and understanding training and therefore enhancing the relationship between the coach and the athlete. Can I speak up for Naomi's team too? You know, athletes have got Naomi and her team who broadly have done a terrific job at not only enhancing athletes' performance, but also recognising athletes as people and, and looking after their broader well-being. you know, allowing them to navigate, which is a much, much more complex environment socially as well as physically that a load of young people are coming into and they are typically young people that come in you know hit the headlines in large high profile sports activities so I think the broader sort of UK sport team and and, and EIS team have done a terrific job particularly in 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 this country of supporting British athletes and and the wisdom and the experience of those guys is is something that definitely perhaps wasn't around uh, 20 years ago. And I think what's interesting about that is we're sort of foregrounding how scientific knowledge is a kind of central pillar of that technological application. And actually, it's that ecosystem of science that's allowing performers to go beyond. But then we also have examples of completely radical technologies that transform our sense of, of the limits. I was thinking particularly in the midway between 2000 and today is the London 2012 Olympic Games, during which we saw the first Paralympian with a prosthetic device take part in the Olympic Games as well. 
well. And for me, what's exciting about that and often what inspires people is that possibility of going beyond what we thought was possible to do, which I think often the elite sports often rely upon as a kind of core value. But it's a fascination for that, seeing something extraordinary that I think is there. One thing that I thought also when you were mentioning the different communities and how what influences what is the recent sort of Olympic Games entries, things like skateboarding, sport climbing, all of which kind of describe a history of, of both sort of fragmentation of a sport, but also the empowerment and rise of entirely new competitive communities. So they're often kind of controversial splits, but they do create these entirely new experiences. I think the rise of a climbing gym is a great example of that. Now, it's the point in the show where our minds turn to goats. Throughout this series, we are running a debate around the greatest sports tech of all time and asking for nominations. Andy, tell us yours, please. I think for me, it probably comes back to um, Phil Knight's wife's waffle iron or whatever it was that first looked at the technologies that became the running shoe, really, and the ability for people to, to actually move around in comfort, which I think saw the boom in recreational jogging and, and really just the growth in physical movement that comfortable footwear brought. Fantastic. And Naomi, you were nodding. Yeah, I think I st- still stick with my original vote for Lycra and the way that that revolutionised um, what we wear to do sports at whatever level that is, and obviously what we wear in general life as well. But the comfort and ease of movement that that gives to everybody to be able to participate, as well as then the elite performance levels of being able to really optimise that to the benefit of our elite athletes as well. Fantastic. Thank you. And we'll let you know at the end of this edition how you could nominate what you think has been the greatest technology moment in sport. And now, to get an overview on this whole subject, let's talk to Ben Langdown. Ben's the Senior Lecturer in Sports Coaching at The Open University. Oh, Ben, honestly, we've covered everything from being covered in olive oil in ancient Greece to esports shaping the fan experience. How has tech, in your view, shaped sports practice? Well, great question. So I was out last night on a on a run thinking about this and it just occurred to me how much technology had gone into just the run I was doing. So from thinking about the the design of the, the sports shoes I was wearing through to the clothing and then looking at the watch that I was wearing. So tracking my run using GPS, telling me the elevation, the pace I was going, the stride length, cadence, etc., and tracking my heart rate and also then thinking actually I'm wearing headphones that are bluetooth connected to my watch that are are playing music to me so I can actually enjoy my run and um, you know enjoy some music as I'm going along so I mean technology is all around us and I think one of the key things for me is in sports coaching is how is that technology being used and there's so much data how is that actually influencing the athlete and their performance? And it's about understanding that data and knowing what to do with it. So from a coaching perspective, not just taking everything we can get our hands on, but actually sort of filtering the information and ensuring that we're not overwhelming the athlete that's in front of us. And from a coaching perspective, thinking about the athlete as the centre of that um, process so what's in their best interests and how do we use technology to enhance their performance or what do they actually really need to know? Sport, taking part in sport, is intrinsically a human activity. So how much do you think technology takes instinct out of the sporting experience? Ooh, good question. Um, 
when you're actually playing the game, I don't think the technology will have too much influence on the instinct that you're putting into the performance there and then. However, tracking that performance and understanding, A, how you prepare for it, how you protect yourself from injury, but also how do you reflect on that performance and how do you how do you get the most out of that performance? And that's where technology comes into its own and using that as an individual, if, if it's an amateur athlete or if they've got a team around them, how does that team then use all of that information to enhance performance or pr- protect them against the, the risk of injury or even aid, aid recovery? So yeah, I think in, in the moment, I doubt it's going to have too much impact, but actually preparing for that moment, there's uh, a lot that technology can help to, uh, to answer. Ben, I'm curious because one of the things I hear in my role are two flip sides of the same coin. One is that people are constantly bashing at the door to get people to, you know, coaches or club owners or whatever to adopt technology. And then the flip side is the old cliche, tech for tech's sake. And it's a really interesting, because depending on who you speak to, depends on the answer that you get. How do people achieve the perfect balance between being swamped by tech or investing in unnecessary tech versus understanding the way tech really can unlock excellence for the athletes they deal with? Yeah, that's a, a really important point. And it comes back to what does the athlete actually need? What does the athlete need to know to enhance their performance? And what do the coaching team need to know? Um, So we can get our hands on so much data now. You know, we can track an athlete's sleep. We can track their response to any strength and conditioning interventions. We can analyze their technique using video or motion capture. And it, it all boils down to how we take that information So as a sports scientist, how I converse that with the coaching team and relay that information, but translate it into an accessible format so that they can actually do something with that. So, yes, we can we can be swamped by data and potentially there's there's a bit of fear about the unknown. What is this technology actually going to give me? Do I understand what it's showing me? So from a coaching perspective, maybe some people shy away from using technology because there's that lack of understanding around how to use it or how to capture the data and actually use it to enhance performance or or reduce injury risk. So just thinking about some of the examples in the sports I I work with most. Um, So I I train a lot of golfers in the gym and... um, I used to work for the Professional Golfers Association. And before we had launch monitors, for example, so launch monitors will track the ball through the air. They'll they'll tell the golfer and the golf coach how far the ball's gone, how fast they've swung the club, which direction the club was moving in when it came into contact with the ball, how much spin there was on the ball. Before we had all of that, there was more of a more of an art. If there was a continuum with art at one end and science at the other, we were more towards the art end. And with technology, golf coaches have been able to shift more towards the science end and actually use that data to successfully improve 
the golf swing or improve ball flight. They could work back from ball flight before using the laws of, of physics, but using technology now makes that data readily available and they can immediately have an impact upon somebody's performance. So Ben, with a considerable experience, what would you say is potentially the greatest technological moment in sport? I mean, there's there's many that could be drawn upon in terms of thinking about spectators, um, thinking about the calls that are made in, in sports, so like Hawkeye and other aspects, so like VAR, goal line technology, etc. But for me, it has to be the simple mobile phone. I mean, I say simple. It's now put a computer in everybody's hand, but that computer is able to access so much data we can connect many different devices to it and as sports people athletes participants in exercise that device allows people to get any data they want to influence their participation to influence their performance but again it comes down to what does the average person do with that data and how do they use it the mobile phone as well can we're moving towards a, a position where we can use that for motion capture. So somebody could take that, that mobile phone, put it on a tripod when they're practicing a sport, and they will soon be able to create 3D models of their sporting movement. And that's going to be the next stage. Um, some of these things are, uh, you know, they're a couple of steps away, but they're starting to be developed and prototypes are now out there. Oh, Ben. Well, Ben thinks that's a goat, but do you let us know? Ben, honestly, we could have talked to you for days on this. Well, our next edition of Tech Chairs will feature one of the most innovative, transformational figures within this whole technological sporting world. And in fact, he was mentioned just a few moments ago. And while you're waiting for the next podcast to be available, don't forget to email us with your nomination for what you think is the sports tech goat. Contact us at techchairs at sportstechgroup.org or tweet us at sportstechgroup using the hashtag sportstechgoat. And we're going to run down the top 20 in our final episode before heading to New York for the awards themselves on the 18th of May. Thank you for listening. Sit back in your tech chair and get nominating. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of Tech Chairs. We hope you found it informative, thought-provoking, entertaining. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay up to date with all things sport tech, be sure to subscribe. You can follow us on Apple, Spotify and all good podcast channels. And if you have any feedback, suggestions or just want to say hello, contact us on Twitter at Sport Tech Group, LinkedIn, the STA Group or by email techchairs at sportstechgroup.org. Don't forget, if you're posting on social, our hashtags are techchairs and sportstechgoat.